1: Greetings, Buff fans from See You at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the See You at the Game website and your host for the See You at the Game podcast. This is our 23rd and final podcast for Season 1. Brad Geiger and I will do a postmortem on the 2020 Alamo Bowl, looking for some positives out of the Buffs' loss to number 20 Texas. And yes, there were some. We'll then take a look back at the 2020 CU season as a whole, which, when put in perspective, was a hugely successful one for the Colorado program. The loss of a head coach in February was a gut punch, followed by the hiring of a head coach in Carl Durrell, who was anything but a household name when he was hired. All Carl Durrell did was take Colorado to its only second winning season in the past 15 years, and only its second bowl game in the past 13 years. A celebration of the Pac-12 Coach of the Year is certainly in order. Thank you for participating in the first season of the podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. We are trying to build an audience, and your help by subscribing and by leaving a review is much appreciated. And now, for the last time in 2020, or more precisely, for the first time in 2021, let's talk about your buffs. Okay, we are back, and back with one Brad Geiger in Highlands Ranch. Past Christmas, on to the 2021. Happy New Year. Welcome back, Mr. Bradford. Pleased to be here, and I
0: cannot recall a year I am more glad to see gone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a couple of uh, hours in the last week of 2020 that most Buff fans would be happy to live without have to do a little bit of at least of a post-mortem on the Alamo Bowl before we can talk about the 2021 season and going forward. Of course, Buff fans are painfully familiar with the final score, 55-23. Just a couple of stats that prove that out. 638 total yards for Texas, over 300 yards rushing, over 300 yards passing. Meanwhile, Colorado was under 200 yards in both rushing and passing, 378 total yards. Stats that stand out, 4 of 17 on third down attempts. And, of course, when you are a two-score underdog against a ranked team on the road with more talent, you want to win the turnover battle, and Colorado turned the ball over three times and did not obtain a single turnover. So... You and I were texting the day of the game, the afternoon of the game, talking about perhaps being satisfied, at least not disappointed, if it was a 10-point game, um, or at least respectable, kept it under double digits, and it was in the first half, 17-10 at halftime, and then of course everything went to the dumpster fire in the second half. So. Your takeaways watching the game from Highlands Ranch, didn't we weren't at San Antonio, we weren't at the Alamo Dome for this one, but we were there for the worst beatdown in Colorado Bowl history, lost by 30 points to Oklahoma State, only to lose by 32 points to Texas in the next Alamo Bowl. Your impressions of uh, Colorado's final game of the 2020 season?
0: Well, I, shockingly, there are things that came away from it. Somewhat optimistic, yeah, we were out man every step of the way at probably every position. The difficulties we feared in the secondary all year came to pass both in the passing game where Texas receivers ran unencumbered through the secondary for much of the second half and in tackling up front. You know, the last two games we saw what this team was like without Nate Landman being equally undermanned in other positions plays that should have gone for two yards, went for 20 at some points. If you add to that, the fact that Neuer was off just enough to not make the passing game effective when he was in, I thought there were times that the offensive line looked like it could play. I thought there were times that we could run the ball. And obviously, there were times the defense could make stumps. the you know after those first couple drives in the first quarter from texas you were afraid that that was going to be an early and ugly case yes. and the way the defense
1: played in this in all but the first part of the first quarter of the
0: first half you could be proud they did their job they did what was necessary for a team that ended up with 59 scholarship players making the trip and their best ones not actually making the trip were not able to play um, either because of suspension or COVID or injury. That first half there were things to learn and things to watch. And yeah, we got outmanned on the road with a bunch of people out. We had avoided the COVID destruction that a lot of teams faced and a lot of teams got beat and blown out during the regular season because they were shorthanded because of COVID. We managed to avoid that and then it hit us at the bowl game. And so, yeah, it's a terrible loss, and it is certainly a sign that the program needs to move forward and get more talented. But I think there are reasons that the game turned out the way it was that are not necessarily indicative of weakness
1: in the program. I would have to agree, at least, again, for the first half, and I did my essay for the game for the Sea of the Game website, and pointed out, you know, in the first half after those two touchdowns, you mentioned the the 20 minutes after Texas went up 14 to nothing, it was, you know, 10-3 Colorado, and the defense forced a three and out, a three and out, well, actually a three and a four and out, because they basically caused a three and out, and Texas missed a field goal after an interception, gave them the ball at our 32-yard line. So, And then a three and out, a three and out, a field goal, and then end of the half. So the defense looked like it was going to keep us in the game. Then you get the word that Sam Ellinger is not going to play in the second half, and you start to think, okay, 17-10, the defense is playing well. We've got a new quarterback in that seems to have sparked the offense. And so, of course, the first play from scrimmage, Nobody makes a tackle at the line of scrimmage. It's a 66 yard run, followed up by a 20-yard pass for a touchdown, and lo and behold, you know, after two plays, it's now 24-10. And we go down, and I think that's where we missed the field goal. I mean, it just snowballed from there and went downhill quickly and ended up with a 55 to 23 final. You have to say that uh you know, at least there was some spark when Brendan Lewis played that maybe there is going to be some quarterback issues heading into spring. Um, I think that's almost guaranteed. So, yeah, there's some reason. Um, well, a lot of young players had to play because there were a lot of people out. And, yeah, there is going to be some quarters of the planet uh, almost everywhere outside the buff nation. That's going to look at the final score and see Texas is going forward as a potential top 15, maybe the top 10 team preseason next year, whereas Colorado will be considered as being Colorado again. And as the coach said, we've got a, a long ways to go. So not a happy locker room after the game, not a happy fan base. But as you pointed out, There are some reasons to be optimistic about even a lopsided defeat.
0: Well, and I want to point out that it's not a bad thing that it was an unhappy locker room. It's not a bad thing that Carl Durrell was disappointed in the effort. We have seen other coaches at even bigger name programs spend the entire week making lengthy excuses for why they performed poorly
1: Mm. in a ball game. I'm talking about you, Florida. And Carl Durrell didn't buy it. No.
0: Give COVID as an excuse. He didn't say, you know, our all-American linebackers been out for the last two games. He stepped up and said, we have to play better and we have to
1: do better. I would prefer a coach that expects his team to live up to expectations
0: even when there are reasons why
1: than, for example,
0: a highly paid coach in the state of Florida who has every reason to whine about how come he got blown out
1: and of course you are referring to one Dan Mullen, head coach of the Florida Gators who lost in the Cotton Bowl to Oklahoma 55 to 20, and he was complaining about the fact that he only had 60 scholarship players available. So, being the stats geek that I am, Colorado according to the Alamo Bowl people had 52, uh, actually 51, one of them wasn't there that they put on the list, 51 on the roster that dressed And if you're wondering about Texas, they had 68 and yes, they did have some stars that opted out. They had captains that opted out, but they had 68 players roaming their benches and we had 51 of which five were walk-ons and another five. So you're talking about 46 scholarship players that dressed for the Alamo Bowl and five of those were true freshmen. So Talk about being shorthanded. Yes, Colorado was, in fact, shorthanded. And, of course, and you don't blame the coaches for not talking about that the week before, but you certainly would expect there's a possibility that they would talk about it after the fact, like Dan Mellon did when he complained about getting beat soundly by Oklahoma and saying, well, we only had 60 guys. We really didn't have to play, but we just wanted to give our young guys an opportunity. So don't blame me for getting shelled. Carl Durrell, on the other hand, this is his quote from after the game. Yes, we were short a lot of people, but you know me now and I don't make excuses. We got to play and figure out how to do it with what we got. And I was expecting us to play better than that. I was expecting us to be more competitive. I was expecting a lot of it to be better than what it looked like. So it just shows me I got a tremendous amount of work to do. And really, that's what it is. There are no excuses. So of the two coaches, yes, I would think that the Buff Nation would be more proud of their reaction from their coach being blown out than the Florida coach being blown out and having not a similar reaction. Or the other option, which
0: is the one USC took, to not even try. Yes. Now USC perhaps gets to do that, and, you know, they will – certainly get a pass from the Pac-12. Yes. But there are those who try to prove it in the arena and there are those who sit home in L.A. And bluntly, I'll take going to the game. Carl Durrell had every reason to take that team there and see what it's like. And I don't think there's any reason to believe that that blowout, as terrible as it was, is going to somehow kill the ego of this team. I think probably just the opposite. They saw Brandon Lewis and buddy he can do. They saw the Jarek Boussard on a day when the offense didn't work, getting yards after contact. They saw a a secondary that I've got a dog older than three of them, (laughs) uh, (laughs) trying to keep up with people with incredibly talented receivers and doing it for the first half. So yeah, they came out of that a loss. Carl Dorrell said all of the things about how we have to get better, but I still think you can learn from a blowout, and I think there are people on this team who did.
1: And the secondary, like you say, you know, Blackman, uh, Christian Gonzalez, a true freshman. They were beaten on a, on occasion, but yes, they also had some very impressive plays, and that is a learning experience, and they're going to want to be better. And just to close the book a little bit on the numbers, just running down some of the players that weren't there. Now, of course, we knew that Ashad Clayton, the running back, and Keith Miller, the wide receiver, had opted out. Brady Russell, the tight end, boy, we really missed him this year. Um, We thought maybe he was going to be back, wasn't available to play. Josh Gines um, started some games on the offensive line. He was out the defensive line. Both Terrence Lang and Jalen Sammy didn't play both starters. And of course, Nate Landman, I have some numbers on you for you for Nate Landman, but some of his potential replacements, Mr. Williams, Marvin Hamm, they weren't available either on the back and Chris Miller, Mark Perry, Jalen Stryker, and Nigel Bethel, who had the interception in the Utah game. Four defensive backs didn't play. So, not it wasn't a who's who. It wasn't a bunch of four star captains like Texas had opt out. But when you don't match up depth wise with a team like Texas, you are definitely in trouble when it comes to trying to, to compete in a in a bowl game. And that just showed it itse- showed itself in the, in the second half. And that just is what it is.
0: Yeah, and there is a value to stepping up in class. There is a value to facing you've got. We got out of it, fortunately, with what didn't appear to be any significant injuries. That Stinger to brossard was scary for a minute. But other than that, you know, they went and they played. And as I said, lots of teams made other decisions. And they have learned that their coach expects them to play and they've learned that their coach expects them to compete. That's not, those are not bad lessons for a team
1: that hasn't been taught those lessons. Yeah. Um, just one more you know, quote from Carl Durrell at the end of the game, and again, I think this shows a lot. And you know, this guy has been a head coach at the Power Five level for six seasons and taken six teams to bowl games. So, we, compared to what Colorado's faced for the last 15 years, having a coach that actually takes them to bowl games every year is something to be uh, excited about. You know, something we weren't excited about. Three months ago, nine months ago, when he was hired, we were used to not going to bowl games, and now we're pissed about going to bowl games and getting blown out. Well, before I do the quote, I was just saying the alternative would have been, you mentioned USC not making their bowl game or opting out of the bowl game. If they had played, then Colorado would have been in the Armed Forces Bowl playing against a 3-7 and Mississippi State team. I'll pose it to you this way. Would you rather be blown out by a number twenty Texas team or win against a three and seventeen in the rain in Fort Worth and potentially get into a brawl after the game like uh, Mississippi State did with Tulsa Mississippi State beat a ranked team so it wasn't like they played like a three and seventeen they played very well but you would think that Colorado would at least have been favored in that game would you rather be five and one with a close victory over a three win team or except the beatdown that we got on national television against a, a top 20 team. Well,
0: and I have a personal bias here because anytime you can avoid being in the same state as Mike
1: Leach, your life is better <laughs> off. I was um, hoping you wouldn't remember that part of it.
0: On a, you know On a list of the biggest jerks in college football, Mike Leach will of course be in discussion for the number one. I would of course prefer to win, but, you take the best ball game you're offered. This is not a hard call. There was never a decision to be made here. You go play the game, and you play the best team you can find, and you hope you can defeat. If you don't, that's frustrating. But a show-off victory against a team that got regularly beat down the SEC wasn't something I would have been looking
1: forward to. Yeah. Okay, I'll get back to uh, the Darrell quote, and then we'll move on a little bit. He was asked if there's any excitement about the program after the loss. And he said, it's hard for me to imagine any excitement right now. I'm just being honest. I'm not feeling excited about anything. Even the games that we won this year, it's really what we did last. And what's the final impression? Those are things I have in my mind right now. The way I look at it is we've got a tremendous amount of work to go. We've got development. We have a number of issues that we've got to get cleaned up, both coaches and players. I'm going to have a lot of work to do this off season. I have to think that most Buff fans would be pretty excited about that attitude, that he was – I don't know if you have to watch the video, you can watch the video of the, the press conference. But, yeah, he's clearly frustrated. He got taken to task by the Daily Camera for not having his players be interviewed. I don't get that at all. I don't see why that's a, a major issue. There's good – the players can have nine months to talk to the press if they want to about this game. But you have to admire the fact that he was frustrated and that he wants to get back to work, wants to get going on this off season, which hopefully will be a little bit more normal.
0: Well, and I saw that as less of a shot across the bow of the players and more of our coaching staff has to do a better job. And when you're the head of an organization that has had a significant setback, again you could blame the circumstances, or you can say you're going to get better. Accountability has not always been a strong suit with all of our coaches. Um, And holding everybody accountable from the head coach on down, I don't have a significant problem with that. I think probably it was more spur of the moment than some things, and I suspect that Carl does have things that he liked about the year, but I understand completely why he said that and who he was saying it to.
1: Yeah. Well let's uh let's go back let's step back and take a little bit more about look at the big picture about Colorado football. Several weeks ago, Colorado was 4 and 0, ranked 22nd in the nation. Uh stats is certainly something I I enjoy and Colorado football stats is something that I've delved into for the last, you know, 38 40 years or so. This is what kind of stuck out to me that Heading into the Utah game, the four games that Nate Landman played the full game, Colorado was giving up 24.2 points a game in the first four games, ranked 37th in the nation in scoring defense. We finished the season with a couple of games still to be played as we speak, 78th in the nation in scoring defense, now giving up almost 32 points a game, which is almost identical to what we gave up in 2019. If you break it down even further, and the fact that Nate Landman played the first half of or most of the first half of the Utah game didn't play in the second half. And when Utah scored 28 points, if you take this, the six quarters that he wasn't around, Colorado gave up 83 points in those six quarters after giving up 103 points in the first 18 quarters of the season. So that works out to about 23 points a game with Nate Landman in the lineup. And, well, 55-56 points a game. It would be 56 for Utah and it was 55 for Texas, so 55.5 points per game that the Colorado defense gave up without Nate Landman in the lineup. Now, he was named a second-team All-American, even though he missed a game and a half by the Football Writers Association of America, which is one of the the five outfits, one of the five, all-American teams, which is used to determine whether or not someone is a consensus All-American, a unanimous All-American. It is a prestigious team to be on the Football Writers Association of America, all-American team, and Nate Landman was second team All-American, even though he played four and a half games. We don't know whether or not Nate Landman would be willing to come back for his second senior season. The rehab's going to take him probably into next fall. He might go ahead and be drafted, might be drafted lower, but knowing that his lifespan as an NFL player is limited as it is, that he might want to get some money while he still can. Or he might choose to come back and improve his draft stock for the 2022 draft. But one way or the other, the numbers don't lie. The Colorado defense struggled without Nate Landman guiding it. Yeah, although again, the –
0: yes – When he was gone out in the second half of the Utah game, we clearly missed him. They did not have a plan for what happens if Landman gets hurt. In the bowl game, the plan would have been different if the players had been available. The people that we expected to fill in with Landman weren't able to play through circumstances that are, we hope so much, exclusive to 2020. So, Yes, the numbers are terrible. I don't know they're all attributable to the fact that Nate Landman was out, despite his amazing skills. Of course, I would love for Nate Landman, as a fan, I would love for Nate Landman to come back. Were he to consult with me as a lawyer or an agent, I think the advice might be very different. Um, But then again, this is going to be a strange draft because it's going to be a strange year. And somebody much smarter than us will be telling him whether or not going back for another year, improves a lot of things. And Nate lemon's kind of competitive. So I have some hope that he'll want to come back and prove that he's not a second or third round pick, but a first round pick.
1: Right. Well, to be determined, obviously, a lot's going to come into play with his rehab and how well he's progressing on his recovery and his prognosis going forward. Certainly the NFL medical people will have a, a say in how that, works out for him and what his draft stock would look like come April. But let's talk a little bit about Colorado 2020 heading into Colorado, 2021 four and two final record, obviously not going to be ranked in the final rankings finish second, um, after being predicted to finish fifth in the PAC 12 South, the national narrative, is going to be that other teams are going in the Pac 12 South are going to lap us. Um, Arizona State will get a lot of press going forward because they only got to play a handful of games and pl- looked good going forward. So they have momentum coming out of the season, whereas Colorado is going the other direction. Likewise for Utah, playing well towards the end of the season, uh, as short as it was. Arizona, of course, is a dumpster fire and Nobody's going to have anything to say nice about This is probably the first season since probably the John Ambry years where we are pretty much guaranteed not to be picked sixth in the Pac-12 South. Um, I think that Arizona is going to own that pretty much this offseason. And, of course, then you got UCLA. Chip Kelly finished three and four, been there three seasons, three losing seasons. They haven't been to a bowl game since 2015, but it is Chip Kelly. And they do have talented players on the roster at, at UCLA. So I wouldn't be surprised if come next June, one of the preseason magazines come out that we're right back there being predicted to be fifth in the back 12 South. Whereas if we beaten Texas and finished ranked, would have been a whole different ball game. Now I'm probably in the minority and you're probably in the majority that doesn't care about, what the national pundits have to say about the University of Colorado. Am I right? Well, you and I have discussed this many a time over
0: the last 30 years. I am concerned only to the extent that it affects recruiting and how it affects the upcoming teams. And I would love for our name to be mentioned as a potential PAC 12 South winner as the year opens up that said, I think, everybody's going to pretty much look at the pac 12 south as USC at the top, Arizona at the bottom and then this model of teams in the middle. I don't think we're going to be ranked 142nd <laughs> out of 100, <laughs> 140 teams at the beginning of the year. Yeah. I think I think there are going to be I think Utah and Arizona state, Colorado and UCLA are going to huddle around, you know, the general 50s, 60s, maybe the 40s and then they're going to try to figure it out. And that's not wrong. On any given day, we can beat them. Any of those teams. We should beat Arizona on any given day. We can beat any of those teams and we have to play really well to beat USC. That's better
1: than we were at the beginning of this season. It's better than we were last season. Yeah. So
0: let's, let's remember that.
1: Yes. Try and keep it in some perspective compared to where we were nine months ago or even three months ago. Um, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, That looking at the schedule that we had and the new head coach coming in with a makeshift offense behind a quarterback that was a safety that was going to leave the team. We were very surprised and very nervous a couple of months ago. The idea that, well, it's a, a season where basically it's a mulligan season where you get everybody back for next year if you want to. Let's play all the freshmen. You're going to lose anyway. Remember the article from the Daily Camera saying that Buff fans need to be realistic and that 0 and 7 was more likely than 4 and 3. So yeah, looking back from where we were, if you'd offered us a 4 and 2 and a bowl game three months ago, we would have lined up to get the t shirts. Now going 4 and 0, even though all four victories had warts on them, being 4-0 and is something that this program is not used to doing. We hadn't gone 3-0 and to open a Pac-12 season ever before this year, and Carl Durrell did it in his first try. He's the first CU coach to take an unranked team and turn it into a ranked team in his first year. Rick Neuheisel had a ranked team in his first season at Colorado, but, of course, he was taking over a team that was 11-1 and and ranked third in the country when Bill McCartney retired. So... He started off with a top ten team, and in three years turned it into a five and six team. But you know, I know you don't like Rick Neuheisel, so I threw that bone for you.
0: (laughs) Well, he turned it into a five and six team and a big contract.
1: Yeah, which was all Rick
0: ever really
1: cared. (laughs) I like Rick more than you, but that's that's (laughs) okay.
0: Oh, I love him as an announcer.
1: Yes, but yes, I mean, to all the accolades that Carl Durrell got for being the you know. AP coaches, Pac-12 coach of the year, bringing in the offensive player of the year. There's only been six conference offensive players of the year in Colorado history. And you're talking about, you know, Wizard White. You're talking about Darian Hagan. You're talking about Rashawn Salam. You're talking about some big hitters in Colorado history. Chris Brown was the last one in 2002. So, there are a lot of remarkable things about this season that it's a little hard right out right now because we're bitter about the end of the Utah game and smarting from the second half of the Texas game, the Alamo Bowl. But overall, uh, you gotta, as they say, trust the guy in the room. He manufactured. We couldn't beat Khalil Tate in Arizona. Well, we went down and beat Arizona. We beat UCLA. We beat Stanford on the road. That's not something that you do a lot to teams that are coached by David Shaw, and we beat them three years in a row. We're actually, I like what you say, we're in the muddle. We're in the the mix, which, yeah, it'd be great if we're the prohibitive number two team coming out of the season in the Pac-12 South, but the fact that we're even in the discussion of being in that mix is unique for the University of Colorado as a member of the Pac-12.
0: No, I mean, it's just, you know, we, we are fans. We go up and down with our team and finishing down is hard, but
1: we are a program that improved and that has reason to
0: believe it will improve. And coming into the season, there were two things, there were a lot of things we didn't know. One of them was, could our coach coach? No. He can't. The other one, sadly, is do we have a quarterback? <laughs> we still need to figure that one out.
1: <laughs> yes. To be determined, we got a Tennessee quarterback in the transfer portal. We don't know, Sam Neuer might have shoulder surgery and may not even be available for spring ball. Um, a lot of things to be determined as far as spring is concerned, not the least of which whether or not we get to have spring ball. There's a lot of unknowns as we turn the calendars from 2020 to 2021, but all other things being equal, yeah, we seem to be a quarterback away from being competitive in the Pac-12. And that beats the snot out of being a joke in the Pac-12. And yes, CBS had us as the number 110 team before it's played its first game of the season and moved all the way up into the top 25. That's a pretty good year. And yes, after the the bowl loss, when they do their final rankings, we're probably back in the 40s. They'll probably drop us 20 spots or something, which is, as you say, fine. But at least heading into the 2021 season, we are not going to be ranked 110th. And that seems like a joke now, but it was a reality just two months ago. So. Little national respect, not as much as we had hoped for, losing big on the national stage, but really the narrative looking at the national stories coming out of the game was more about the Texas freshman and the Texas backup quarterback playing well and the, the future of Texas football in the post Sam Ellinger era than it was about Colorado being a lousy team. So. Nice thing about bowl season is that you wake up the next morning and there's a couple more bowl games to be played. So we become yesterday's news. People don't have newspapers anymore. I still get a newspaper, but uh, so people will get the references to what you do with old newspapers. You put you line the birdcage with them. People, you know, ask your grandfather. So it's nice that Colorado got some good publicity heading into bowl season. It's nice that Colorado had a bowl season. Yeah, it wasn't four weeks of prep. Um, but we had two weeks of preparations that 10 teams in the Pac-12 didn't have. So a lot of positives out of the year. Alamo Bowl, rest in peace. Hopefully next time, let's see, we lost by 30. We lost by 32. Hopefully we won't lose by 34. the Next time we get invited to the Alamo Bowl, and hopefully you and I will get to go back and do the River Walk again and enjoy a, a Colorado victory.
0: Enjoy the Rose Bowl
1: parade. I I would say if we if we go to the Rose Bowl, my friend, we're going. You know, bring her in here, we'll talk about it, but we're we're going. We did we had this discussion when we were undergrads that if Colorado ever went to the Orange Bowl and it seemed like, yeah, that ain't happening. If Colorado goes to the Orange Bowl, we're going. And well, Colorado went to the Orange Bowl and we went. So we can tell everybody here, for the record, that if Colorado makes it to the Rose Bowl anytime in the near or far future, it is going to be our plan to be there.
0: Yeah, there is no doubt that uh, that is a trip we will make, and the idea that the Buffs might make it with us is still far fetched, but perhaps not as far as it was in September.
1: Tis true, tis true. So we'll let once leave it on that. We'll leave it on a high note. Brad, Happy New Year. Any final words for the uh, the masses before we move on to the postseason and recruiting and mailbags and all the other things we're going to do with the podcast in the future?
0: 2020 is a very difficult year to come up with any actual wisdom other than to remember that things do eventually change, progress does eventually occur, and good news will be around the corner at some point.
1: Thank you for being a part of season one of the See with the game podcast. As we slide into the off season, you can expect a mailbag edition of the podcast in January, followed by a deep dive into the sea recruiting class of 2021 in early February. Before you know it, we'll be talking about spring practices and position battles. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any episodes. If you'd like to post a question for the next podcast, or if you have any comments or suggestions for the website or the podcast, the email address is seeyouatthegame at gmail.com. While you're waiting for the next podcast to be posted, remember that the See You at the Game website is being updated multiple times daily with the Colorado Daily and the Pac-12 Notes headings, keeping you abreast of all the news concerning Colorado football. There is also a Colorado Basketball heading, which is tracking Tad Boyle's buffs, as they seek an NCAA tournament berth. 2020 was a unique year in many, many respects. Thank you for making the first year of the podcast a successful one. I look forward to hearing from you, and I will look forward to seeing you again in Folsom Field next fall. Until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs.
0: Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to seeyouatthegame at, at com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time when we will again see you at the game.